Hello, you're listening to the OK Cool podcast with me, Ronnie Chang. This is episode 22nd, February 2016. You're listening to the OK Cool podcast, the podcast that nobody is listening to. So why are you? Thank you for listening. Had a pretty cool week. Uh, I'm in New York right now. And um, there's a lot of background noise because my radiator in my apartment is very noisy. Um, it's like one of those old, I don't know, I don't know, pre-war. Is that the correct term for it? It's, it's non-electric. It's just like a steam radiator. Um, the upside is I don't think it costs me money to run because it's just like hot water, um, which I think for some reason in New York you don't have to pay for. I think. But it's definitely definitely not electric, so I'm not paying for the electricity component. But the downside is, if you don't set it to just the right like amount of steam, it will just start leaking like a whole bunch of water. So you have to like adjust. They have to like fiddle with it until it you get that right setting, just that right. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it, but. Basically, if you let off too much, if you turn it on too high, like steam comes out, but it comes out in a way where it turns into water immediately. So you have to set it to this setting where it's like just the right amount of steam is coming out. Anyway, so I don't know if you can hear that in the background. This is like hissing in the back. Also, it's New York City. So there's always some goddamn traffic, like dump, dump truck or ambulance or police car going past in the background. Uh, but it's just stuff we're going to have to live with, okay? Because I can't stop the city every time I do a podcast. Also, I can't stop my radiator because then I'll freeze. So let's just live with it, okay? I uh, went to Albuquerque, New Mexico this week to film the Pajama Men uh, indie pilot. It was a lot of fun. Uh, the Pajama Men are just really cool uh, comedy, absurdist comedy sketch duo, like improv guys who are huge festival favorites. Like they've won all the major awards and they're really nice people. And they asked me to be on the pilot, which I was honored to be asked to be on. Uh, and also quite surprised because, I mean, the kind of stand up comedy I do compared to them is just, you know, they must, I, I thought they would have looked at what I did as you know, just hacky club jokes. But, um, yeah, they were nice enough to invite me onto their pilot. So uh, I went down to Albuquerque, New Mexico for the first time, and uh, we filmed it over the course of five days. And uh, I got to meet Amber Nash, who is the voice of Pam on Archer, one of my favorite uh, television series, the cartoon. And I got to meet Gemma Whelan, who is uh, who plays someone on Game of Thrones. Um, but I don't watch Game of Thrones, so I don't know. But um, she is a super friendly person. Um, I don't know which character she plays, the exact name, but she's really cool. Um, she's a super cool, very friendly, very down to earth. Um, everyone was. I was surprised that, uh, I guess not surprised, but... Um, it was very pleasant to be on s- working with people who are who are really just cool people. Uh, I got to meet Dino Archie, who um, um, he's like a stand-up comic. Who we actually turns out we have like twelve mutual friends, 
like close mutual friends um, because he works in Canada and I know a couple of cool Canadian comics. I know an Australian comic, James Masters, who used to live in Canada. Apparently, they were like best friends or something. And um, yeah, you know, good people are friends with good people usually. So uh, yeah, I, I mean, if Gemma's listening to this, I'm sorry for not knowing Game of Thrones is please don't take it personally. I just I never I couldn't I can't watch Game of Thrones because it's too violent for me. It's too, it's too much like rape and torture going on, so I just can't watch it. But I respect it as a very popular TV series, and um, I I my friend said that you uh, Gemma is, uh, does a great job on the show. Uh, also, oh, also Glenn Wool. We got to work with Glenn Wool, who is a world class comic, uh, who transverses both uh traverses sorry traverses both canada and the uk so he does both styles of comedy he can do he can kill it as a headliner at a club and he can do a one-hour festival show he's got down pat like great great edinburgh act um and uh so we all got together to film this thing with a big crew. We raised, managed to raise some money to do it. Um, and we were all staying on set. So the set is set in a house. And we're filming it in the house. And as this house is huge. It's like the house we got was huge. huge, And it's, it's got a lot of bedrooms. So we, the cast was st- staying on the set. We were sleeping in rooms on the set. So we all got to... Um, we had our own rooms, but we were you know, in pretty close proximity to each other for the whole week. And we we turned out to get along really well. So it was a lot of fun. At the end of the shoot, um, we had a little bit of a... Oh, uh, no, a little bit of a pretty big live comedy show. Because um, I guess we all kind of come from live performing. So it makes sense that we would do a live show since we're all in the same city together. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, we, we, we sold out the... Uh, Hispanic Cultural Center in New Mexico, which is where Albuquerque, New Mexico, is where the Pajama Men are from. So they have like this cool home base following of really comedy savvy people who um, came out and had you know were there to have fun, and the, it, it was a really solid night of comedy. It was everyone killed it, uh, and I was really happy to be a part of it. And I, if you want more details on the pilot, it's called Brothers in Law. Uh, I don't think I can give you more details than that, but there's a Kickstarter video if you want to see the trailer. Uh, well, not even a trailer for it, just a Kickstarter begging for money video that we made. Uh, you can go to pajamamen.com. I think it'll be somewhere there. They're not the best at the internet, but um, I'm pretty sure if you if you look for the Pajama Man Kickstarter project, you'll find it. And uh, uh, I can't, uh, filming ends wraps wraps today Sunday, so. I can't give you a date as to when you can check it out, but um, uh, yeah, I guess I'll just have to keep you posted. I know, I know. Why did I talk about Pilot that you guys can't watch? I'm sorry, but uh, just part of the deal. I think if you are a Kickstarter backer, you get to watch the episode first. But um, yeah, just still trying to figure it out. The um, Yeah, trying to... F- trying to work out trying to work out a deal for it basically uh, I won't say any more than that but it's always fun to do some acting I I like it um, helps me um, I don't know stretch, stretch myself creatively 
because I don't have that much range acting wise. So it's always good to get out of your comfort zone a bit. I discovered I can do a a really I don't know like bad. I can do a bad like American South accent. Someone said it's West Texas. I'll let you decide. Okay, let me do a line. <clears throat> <clears throat> Reginald Hedges, Reginald Hedges, you are under arrest for insurance fraud, arson, and theft of a dead body. <laughs> Let me try that again. <clears throat> Reginald Hedges, you are under arrest for insurance fraud, arson, and theft of a dead body. What say you? Oh, and I'm working on my <laughs> American self accent. Uh, I can't. Yeah, I don't know. Can't do accents. I love to be able to do accents because it would. I think it would add like a special, like add a, give me some more range in my stand up. I can you know impersonate people, but um, like I see accents in stand up as like special effects. You know what I mean? Like you can't make a whole movie with just special effects unless you're Michael Bay, um, but. In the right place, special effects can like really enhance a movie, like Birdman. I don't know. I don't know what movie is a good example, but you know what I mean. Where I feel like you don't want your whole. Well, I don't want to be insulting anyone here, but I feel like you 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 want the impersonations to kind of enhance the act and not be like just the act. I guess some people make really good living doing impersonations. So who am I to judge? Um, but anyway, I just want to do like I would love to be able to add that to my game, but. Someone told me that, like, this, the accent that I have, what accent? I know. But uh, the accent that I have apparently is not very conducive to, to acting, like, mimicking other people's accents. Uh, and that the Australian, broad Australian accent is actually the best one to na- have naturally because you can, it's supposedly so broad that you can, like, imitate other people's accents really well. I don't know how true that is. Um, I don't know, maybe I should put the work in um, to doing it. Reginald Hedges, you are under arrest for insurance fraud, arson, and theft of a dead body. Reginald Hedges. Okay, I'll stop doing it. I know it's driving, might be driving some of you crazy. Oh, uh, what else happened this week? Oh, yeah, and then after the Albuquerque gig, I got to go to. Um, I had my first American college gig. I headlined at the University of New Hampshire with uh, Nicole Breyer from MTV's Girl Code. And um, we had Mike Reeson hosting the show. Um, and so I went down, I flew from Albuquerque to Manchester, New Hampshire. Uh, and the, Albuquerque is a weird place to go to. You have to connect. There's not a lot of flights that fly direct to Albuquerque. You have to like connect in Dallas or connect in uh, Phoenix. And the same with Manchester. It's a small airport. So um, anyway, we, I got, so the gig was in Durham because that's where University of New Hampshire is, in Durham, New Hampshire. And uh, the, the nearest airport I could fly to was the Manchester one, which is about an hour away. Which is good for me because I, when I was a kid, I lived in Manchester, New Hampshire. And I've been looking to go there for like 
22 years now, 23 years now, since 1993. I left there in 1993. So I was super psyched um, to go back there. I got admit a little nervous about the gig because I didn't know what to expect. Um, my first U.S. college gig, you know, I didn't know what kind of, what, how, the, how the audience would be. But you know what? They were great. Like, people talk about, yeah, the, the, the university students were great. They were there. The, the, uh, we filled out, we packed out the room. It was like 300 people or more, 350 maybe. And um, they were there. They were excited, psyched to be there. They were a great audience. They were really responsive. Um, none of them looked at their phones the whole time. I was watching from the back. I couldn't see anyone using their phones, like, which is amazing attentiveness for millennials I guess I mean I would have been using my phone if I was them not because I was bored but just out of habit right and uh, they listened the whole way through a really cool audience and yeah it was great it was a really great gig I'm really glad I did it um, the people who organized it were great really um, on the ball and 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 really helpful like they uh, logistics wise drove us from the airport drove us where we needed to go uh, well drove me anyway um and uh, the set went well. Like I had, I I, I did the. I didn't know if it would translate to a, a, American audience of a younger generation, but I guess it worked. So there you go. Stand up's universal. Uh, and so after I did the gig, I got to go to. I took. I had like five or four or five hours, or was it three hours until my till I had to be at the airport. So I took three hours to go visit the house I used to grow up in. I posted it on Snapchat uh, at Ronnie Chang. Uh, it might just be, by the time you listen to this, it might the Snapchat might be over because Snapchat is stupid. But I saved the Snapchat video, so I'll try to post it on Facebook or something. Um, but it was cool. It was cool to see. I, I've been trying to go there for 23 years. So I finally got to check it out. It, it, it's the house I, I, it's the house I have my first memories in. Um, I lived there when I was, from when I was three years old to when I was uh, seven and a half, so four years, uh, and um, yeah, I left America in '93. I went to Malaysia and Singapore. Moved to Singapore and Malaysia. Moved to Malaysia first, and then moved to Singapore eventually for school. So I haven't been then. Yeah, I've been wanting to go back for a long time, and I got to take lots of. I took lots of photos of the place. Uh, I walked. I walked around. I walked to the park that I remembered. I used to go to. I actually went into my apartment building. It's still a lot of it is still the same. Uh, I went into my apartment building and I wanted to knock on the door of the apartment I used to stay in, but then I I thought I I probably shouldn't. I mean, it's a real feel good story, but you know I don't know who lives there. You know, maybe the house is in a mess. You know, like visitors. And, you know, it's very suspicious. Also, it was a Sunday, and I don't know. I didn't. I didn't want to bother anyone, so I didn't. I in the end, I didn't bother them. Um, which, it's a long way, a long time to go to wait to not actually see the apartment, but it's okay. You know, I guess you respect people's space, or at least I respect people's space enough to not disturb them on a on a Sunday afternoon. So I I I. Um, went the out went to the outside of the building. I went to the park. I went to oh my old elementary school, Webster Elementary, and I got to yeah. I, I mean the outside of the building still looks the same. You know, twenty twenty three years, still the same. Um, 
went to the play the cop uh, the playground outside. I couldn't go into the school because it was a Sunday and it was locked. And also, I guess it's a little suspicious, unfortunately, for you know grown men to be loitering around elementary schools. But um, if it was open, I would have gone to the office and explained what I was doing there. And I would have gone to pass and I would just have roamed the halls a bit if they would have let me. I remember it used to always smell like milk. The, the smell was so familiar. The smell of my old apartment and the smell of the elementary school. The old apartment used to smell like... Like old moist wood just before you left the apartment. You got that wood smell. And the elementary school used to smell like milk, (laughs) like cafeteria. I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, that was very cool. And then uh, from there, I Ubered to the airport. So thank you, Uber, for existing and allowing me to um, get around in America without a car or when public transport is bad. What else did I do? Let's see. Um, Yeah, and I got back to New York and I did a gig last night at Union Hall in Brooklyn with Nate Craig. And um, man, some super funny acts were on. Um, I saw... uh, Oh, wait, I don't get this wrong. Let me me pull this up here. Okay, so there was um, Nick Vaterot. Josh Gondelman, John Rudnitsky from SNL. Oh, my God. The funniest guys, honestly. Uh, David D'Angelo was there from... David Angelo, sorry. David Angelo from The Daily Show was there. He's a writer on the show. Oh, dude, these guys were super funny. I think Rachel Feinstein was supposed to be there. I don't know if she actually managed to make the gig because I had to leave after the fourth act. Um, So I didn't get to see... uh, if she came, but man, Nick Vaturot was super funny. John Radinsky, oh man, it was a great show. So really happy I got to do it. A last minute addition to the show because I think Nick couldn't get his first choice guy. So he asked me, um, and I was happy to do a gig. Trying to get some stage time in New York. So, you know, I'd you know, love to do, love to do a gig. So that was fun. Oh, yeah, how do you like that? Uh, what, this is four weeks in a row now. Four weeks in a row. I've kept the podcast going, um, and I feel a sense of commitment to it. It's just like exercising. It's just like dieting and exercising. You just got to build that habit, man. You do that first three or four, right? And then next thing you know, it's like if you don't do it, you feel all weird and guilty. and Yeah, so podcasting is the equivalent of dieting for me. It's got to get in the habit of doing it, and it sucks, but <laughs> no, it doesn't suck. I'm, I have fun doing it. Uh, what was I going to talk about? Let's see here. Oh, yeah, so I remember I had a flashback to back when I was in Melbourne, Australia. I remember this guy who, he was like the young corporate type, you know, fresh out of law school. And um, we were talking, so I, I was friends with his friend, well, anyway, he was a friend of a friend, I didn't really know him, and he came up to me and he said, um, so we were all like meeting each other for the first time, and he comes up like all alpha male, and he just goes, um, okay, so, what's your story? And I don't know, something about that just pissed me off so bad. 
it's just the arrogance of it, you know. So, what's your story? No, no, excuse me, no, please, or whatever, no, no indication. Just demanding, demanding to know what your story is. How is someone supposed to answer that? And what, what do you expect me to do? Like, how big of a big shot do you think you are where you're just demanding that people sum up their lives to you, right? I'm supposed to do sum up my entire life in a conversation with someone I've never met. Like, all you're doing is you're just pushing the pressure of this in social interaction onto someone else. You're just throwing it onto them. Here, you, you deal with this. Or even worse, it feels like you're saying, yeah, so, what's your story? Impress me. Why don't you try to make conversation like a normal person, still acting like a sociopath? I don't know, it just pissed me off, just the arrogance of it. The tone, everything. And, I don't know, people, I, I had a friend who once said, asked, who called me really sensitive. Because I get, I get angry at this stuff pretty easily. And I guess I am a little sensitive. But uh, guess what? One, I'm a sensitive person. And two, it's my job. It's technically my job. I'm like a professional complainer. That's really what stand-up kind of is, right? Well, I mean, not all stand-up. Some people manage to break the mold. But for me, I'm just essentially complaining about stupid shit that happens. So I guess my answer to that accusation is, one, it's my job, and I'm, you know, I hate to toot my own horn here, but I'm pretty good at it. Um, so maybe the problem is you just stop hanging around me, all right? I'd rather you just stop hanging around me than trying to get me to change my behavior at this point, unless I'm really being a dick, in which case, call me out. But if it's just a personality thing, well, what the fuck do you want me to do? And... Uh, to also, just because I'm, I'm sensitive or, or, or just because I have anger management problems doesn't mean I'm wrong either. That is a shitty thing to say. Maybe everyone else just takes it, but I don't know. I just, something about that just grates on my nerves. That arrogance, that arrogance irritates me more than accidental racism. <laughs> accidental racism against Chinese people doesn't irritate me as much as people being rude. Like, I, I was with, oh my God, I was in New Zealand last year doing the New Zealand Comedy Festival. I was with freaking Matt O'Kind. He's just not a comic. He's a good friend of mine. We both have the same manager. And uh, we're like, we're pretty close. We're almost like brothers. And um, he had this friend who, I guess he didn't know really well. And we're all sitting together after the shows, like in the bar area, right? The artist bar. And we're talking, and he's really friendly. He's a big fan of my work. Well, um, you know, he was very keen to like watch my show, and he was super friendly, saying really nice things and encouraging stuff, like, and not even being stupid about it. Not, not like, oh, uh, I hear you're really good at comedy. Yeah, that's, that's good. We should come watch you sometime. Not, not, you know, bullshit friendly stuff, like trying to be friendly stuff like that, but actual genuine, like, oh, hey, yeah, we heard a lot about you. We'd love to come watch your show. So he was actually being really nice. And then he, he, gets, he gets tipsy. And then he says, um, uh, he lets slip. <laughs> he goes, because I say, I want to go check out the New Zealand casino. <laughs> Sorry, the Auckland. Auckland, the casino in Auckland. 
because it's late night. It's the only place that's open, right? Um, uh, and I thought there might be food there. And uh, oh, that's my trick, by the way. I I go to like fancy casinos to eat late at night because one, it'll be open, and two, usually you can find good food there. And you know the hours I work are usually usually late night hours, so I have to go find like after hours food. And also casinos are safe. So it's just a little trick I do when I go to a new city. I usually go to like a fancy casino just to get some late night food uh, that isn't shitty fast food. Anyway, so I go, I want to go to a casino. I ask Matt if he wants to come. And this guy goes, uh, oh yeah, gooks love casinos. He says like gooks love casinos. Out loud, right? And I got to be honest, I actually wasn't that bothered by it because I felt like... I don't know. I I could see like one. He was. I don't know. Maybe am I excusing racism? He 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 was tipsy. Also, I didn't think he meant it from like a, you know, these fucking gooks love casinos. I think is this something he maybe he grew up saying. I don't know. Um. Anyway, I don't. I you know he he slipped and it was. It's not a nice word to use, but he's not an evil person. You know what I mean. Um. Yeah, we, we sometimes we, we work very quick to attack people when more good can be done by like actually talking things out and accepting apologies when they're given. So he was super sorry. He was like, you know, he literally knelt down and was like, I'm so sorry. And I was like, dude, don't, it's fine. You know, don't worry about it. And um, I just kind of, I decided to leave the table because it was a little weird. Um and Matt was furious. He was so angry about it, you know. And um, I probably could have done a better job at ac- accepting his apology. Uh, but I left the table with my manager, Craig, and we both went to the bar to drink. And then Matt came over a little while later. And he was like, dude, I'm so sorry about that. And I said, dude, don't worry about it. It's fine. Like, for some reason, that doesn't make me that mad. Um, I'm more mad at other things than, you know, than that, like, slip of the tongue stuff. And he goes... No man, that's it's not cool because you know he's been saying that using that word the whole time and blah blah. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I guess I see a point. I don't know. I I mean, I can I I think it's offensive. I think if he apologizes and he knows it was bad and you know that's it's bad, but it's not as bad as a full on racist who actually hates people and uses that word for real, right? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I just give people breaks. Also, what has is it, has this been thirty minutes yet? I don't even know. Uh, I aim for these podcasts to be like 30 or 40 minutes long. I, I guess I could talk about sports, but I haven't had a chance to watch it because this whole week I've been on set. When, you, when you're on set filming something, like, man, you just, you have, you, you cut yourself out from, from day-to-day life because, um, one, you're, you're, on, you're, on, you're on the clock, you're working. And two, you have to stay focused because, you know, you have to be able to, there's a lot of setup when you film TV or movies. I haven't done a movie, but I assume it's the same. Like, there's a lot of setup time, and so long periods of downtime, and then quick bursts of you have to deliver. So you have to kind of stay focused because if you don't deliver when the camera's on, it's it's wasting a lot of time and money and and effort. So especially if there's like a lot of props you need to reset every time you do a take. So you kind of you know stay focused, stay in the game, and and it it takes a lot of brain power. Um, and basically, because of that, I, you know, I'm not really goofing off in between sets. Like, I'm using my phone, sure, but I'm not, like, 
I'm not like playing games or like reading a book or anything or watching sports. So anyway, I haven't been able to follow the NBA for the past week. Um, I think Damian Lillard uh, beat Golden State Warriors, so the Trailblazers beat the Warriors. And look, it, it, it's that's a big deal, but it's a regular season game. Like every time Golden State Warriors plays. They've been blowing out opponents, but also opponents are bringing everything they have. You know, it's going to happen. They're going to lose. It's not a big deal. Um, regular season loss. You know, I I wouldn't say they've cracked the code or whatever. Maybe Golden State was tired. Still a good result. I really like Damian Lillard. I love his new shoe, uh, the Lillard 2s. Um, oh, yeah. Speaking of shoes, someone posted that Steph Curry... I've got this like religious friend from Singapore, like he's really devout Christian and he posted this post on Facebook about how um, Steph Curry is with Under Armour because Nike offered him money and Steph Curry wanted to put like a Bible quote on his shoe and Nike refused and so he went with Under Armour and he put that Bible quote on his shoe I can't remember which quote it was. It could be that through God, all things are, is, are possible. Or I don't know which one it was. But this Bible quote, he put it on the Under Armour shoe and now it's the best-selling shoe in the world. He posted this post about it. Like, it was he shared another guy's post. So it wasn't like he, he didn't compose this whole message, but he shared another guy's post that had, like, you know, the usual text with images on it, like, explaining the situation. And I just called him out on it. Uh, I put a comment, like, I don't think that's true. I don't think Nike cut Lillard because they... Or I don't think Lillard didn't go with Nike because they refused to put a Bible quote on his shoe. Because one, uh, Nike has produced many a basketball shoe with Bible quotes on them. So it's nothing new to them. They don't mind. In fact, whoever sells shoes, they don't care. Uh, but And also, I think they, they, they didn't take him on because they didn't, off, they didn't offer him as much money as... Under Armour and Under Armour offered him a lot of money and showed a lot of faith in the in in his abilities, and Nike just didn't want to match it, and so he went with Under Armour, and so good for him, good for good for Under Armour for recognizing talent and pursuing it, and good on Steph Curry for like staying loyal to that brand. You know, you support the people who believed in you, and now he's like the most popular player in the world. And man, I should have invested in Under Under Armour stock. What was I doing? Damn, I could have seen this. Co- I saw this coming. I knew he was going to be a good player. I, and I like the Under Armour brand. Ah, damn, missed out on an opportunity there. Uh, anyway, I called this friend out on it. Like, I wasn't mean about it. I just said, hey, man, I don't think that's right. Like, I posted some, I posted like an article about how the how Steph Curry went with Under Armour instead of Nike. Didn't mention anything about the Bible verse. And then I posted another article showing like a basketball shoe that had like full on just Bible quotes. This is Kevin Durant's shoe. So anyway, he didn't reply to it, but I don't know. He might be a bit shitty at me because I <laughs> I corrected him on a post a couple of months ago as well. He posted something about Syrian refugees being like hidden ISIS agents and he posted this um, photo that shows like refugees waving an islamic flag and i did like one quick anytime he posts anything that's really a bold statement like that i usually google it just to see whether it's true and then so i fact check his posts and i found on snopes it was like yeah this is the, the photo was 
a photo from taken from something else. It wasn't about Syrian refugees in Europe. It was like some other thing, and it wasn't even about ISIS or anything. It was some other incident. So I posted that, and he actually said thank you for correcting me. So I don't know. He might be irritated at me always uh, correcting his posts. But um, I'm not doing it to be mean. I'm just doing it to make sure that people aren't spreading false information. You know, it's irritating. Also, when he posts something, he posts a lot of interesting stuff. Like, I get a lot of my uh, news from him, actually. And um, uh, every time he posts something, like, if it's not a credible news source, I usually double-check it just to see whether it's true or not. Because I want to know, right? It's important to my job. And if I find out it's not true, I just kind of usually mention it in the comments. I don't know. Maybe he's irritated about it. But um, anyway, I think, you know what? I think I'm going to call this one a, a podcast. It's like 3 a.m. right now. I got to go to sleep. All right. So um, everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, peace out.